can start whenever. And I'm Carson. So today we'll be talking about something very interesting. Yes, very interesting. We will be talking about the Zodiac Killer. This crime is very creepy and a little unsettling, so if you're uncomfortable with things like this, then this might not be the episode for you. We will also be having a special guest here shortly, but first we want to give you guys a rundown on this crime. So this crime happened in the 1960s into the 1970s. These killings took place in California. He was confirmed to kill five people, but claims to have killed 37. The first murder taking place at Lake Herman Road on December 20th, 1968. He shot and killed 17-year-old David Faraday and 15-year-old Betty Jensen. David actually was alive when the paramedics arrived at the scene, but later died on the ambulance ride to the hospital. At this point, officers did not know this was the work of a serial killer and there would be murders left to follow. His next crime would be on July 4th, 1969 at Blue Rock Springs Park. He approached a parked car shooting two citizens, then walked away and came back only to shoot them another time. Both were still alive when found, but only one survived this horrific attack and the other passed away. He gave a description of the man to the police and described him as a young white male in his late 20s, stocky, 200 pounds, about 5'8", light brown curly hair and a large face. An hour later, the police received a phone call from somebody claiming to be the shooter, and he also confessed to being the shooter in the previous killing. And on August 1st, 1969, the press received letters from the killer. The letters have specific details about the murder that only he would know to prove he was the killer. He also included a code, and he forced the press to print the code or else he would kill again. He also stated that the cracked code would reveal his identity. On August 8th, the code was cracked by a couple, and it was stated that he liked killing because it's more fun than killing wild animals, and that whoever he kills will return into his afterlife as his slaves. His next attack would be on September 27, 1969, at Lake Berisa, Napa, California. Other two victims were on a picnic near the lake when one noticed a man behind a tree staring at them. The man eventually approached wearing an executioner-style mask. He used rope and tied the couple up before repeatedly stabbing both of them. The one who saw the man died at the hospital, but the other survived and was able to give another description. It was told to us that the man was 5'8 to 6 feet, heavy set, and dark brown hair that he could see through the eye holes in the mask. His next killing was on October 11th, 1969 in San Francisco. A cab driver was shot in the head by his passenger. Two teenage girls heard the shots and called the police and gave a quick description. Police arrived quickly but heard the description wrong. Instead of hearing white male, they heard African American men and they drove right by the killer who was walking nearby. The killer noticed it and sent another letter to the press saying how the police had driven by him and missed their opportunity. He will also state in another letter that he plans to shoot children on the bus by taking out the front tire and then shooting the children as they get off the bus. A suspect drawing was sketched and they would start to pull suspects on and all failing to be the actual killer. And to this day, the identity of the Zodiac killer is still unknown. And now it's time to have a chat with our surprise guest. Hi, I'm Alyssa Jones. Can you tell our listeners why you're here today? Well, I'm here because I'm one of the survivors from the Zodiac Killer. What emotions are you feeling today after all these years? Honestly, 
years later from that events taking place, I'm just left with curiosity on who the killer is. Why do you think you were targeted? I mean, to be honest, I don't really know. I think it was just perfect killer because I was alone in the parking lot all night. You're truly amazing for even sharing this with us. I know this must be difficult sharing that traumatic experience out loud again. Yes, it is hard to talk about, but it's something that should be talked about to bring more awareness to the subject because people never think these things would happen to them when it really can. How do you think this whole thing has affected the people around you? Well, it's definitely made my parents more protective over me for sure. I feel that it must have been hard to move on past this. So would you be able to tell me the things you have been doing since then to move on? I started out with therapy. That didn't work well for me. But then I found writing in a journal was the best way for me to be able to cope with this traumatic event. Do you mind sharing the details of that night? Well, sorry, it's hard to talk about. But I was sitting in my car waiting for my boyfriend because we were supposed to meet for dinner that night. When a man wearing a mask came up to my window and pulled me out of my car. He then shot me in my chest and took off. My boyfriend showed up a few minutes later and called the police. Thankfully, I survived. How does it make you feel that you survived? At first, I was upset because I was so traumatized to go out in the public or really do anything for that matter. But now I'm grateful because I would never have been able to live the life I have. Well, this has been an amazing experience. Thank you so much for coming out today and giving our listeners some inside case. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>